Hi, this is Host Events, and this is our Golden Hour. Oh, oh God, what's going on? Where am I going? Oh. Dad? Yes, my son. I am Deuce, the Deer God. I'm so confused. Who am I? Derek. Your true name is Dercules. Dercules. Wait, what? Yes. You are Dercules, the god of the forest. <laughs> Season five. Hosted by your favorite podcast host, Big Bochi. You already know the deal, motherfucker. What's up? Both cameras rolling? Yep. Okay, before we begin, I have two pieces of information. One. Hey everyone, this is Connor Hawley from the Golden Hours Podcast. And if you by chance get any sort of hashtag value from this episode, whether you laugh, you cry, you're entertained, or you get a little bit of information, you learn something, dude, just share it with a friend. And if you don't have any friends, you shouldn't be listening to podcasts. Definitely shouldn't be listening to any podcasts. Absolutely not. Get some friends. That's a fact. Also, I'm going to make my sales pitch right now to you two. I and the Golden Deer team with Big Fresh have a fat event here on January 17th. To be honest, we should probably stop pitching because I already got over like 53 companies coming. I've been sounding like a maniac. And honestly, what's weird is when you sell so much, you kind of start having this persona as a salesman. So like, I feel like I've been lying to people and stuff, but I haven't. But nonetheless, it's going to be great. It's called GDP Hustle. We have a bunch of Boston-based brands, startups, and companies coming. And you guys are a startup, so... Dude, come on. It's only 50 bucks and you drink for free. Even though I know you guys probably do that anyway, right? <laughs> I like that. Nonetheless, who else do we have in the room today? Yo, yo. Big Fresh checking in for another episode. Big Fresh, man. I'm glad you're back. Thank you. Bro. We got to get in a rhythm, man. We haven't been rolling yeah. like we it's used that, to. It's that new year. Got to get new, back into it. New year, new goals. Let's get it. And then on my right, I've been very fascinated by the startup culture in Boston because like I mean, you roll your eyes like, oh my God, because you guys live it. But there are so many like crazy company ideas and you guys, your ideas and like totally out there, but Boston's like this incubator of like all these different companies and concepts. And I'm sure, are you guys posted at the WeWork? Yeah, we're the, at the 51 Military. The, okay, yeah, like the famous WeWork where there are tons <laughs> of companies. We haven't really tapped into that on the show, so this is new for us. So thank you for coming. I have, I want to say this right, it's Host Events Inc., right? You're incorporated. That's correct. I got my LLC. Whoa, <laughs> business. There we go. Do you guys uh, want to give a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? Sure. Um, so I'm Michelle Carrazas. I'm the co-founder and CEO. And um, Host Events is essentially a digital platform where we connect corporate customers to certified insured bartenders. Um, my day-to-day role is basically raising capital, hiring uh, great talent, um, and essentially just moving the ship forward. So you're the boss. Brian, what do you do, man? Uh, my name is Brian McGill. I am the COO and co-founder of Host Events, Inc. And I am more on the back-end side of things. So Michelle's out selling and raising and doing everything pertinent to the business to help grow. I am working with our internal team, making sure events are going off without a hitch, onboarding bartenders, um, supporting and marketing efforts, uh, accounting efforts, just keeping keeping the ship afloat as we as we continue to sail along. So who came up with the idea? Because you had co-founders. Was it like together? You guys were like, hey, let's do this thing. 
Yeah, so I essentially, um, I was bartending nights and weekends um, after graduating from Syracuse. In Boston? Yeah, in Boston. Whereabouts? Um, I worked for Big Night Entertainment. So. No way. Yeah. So I did like every venue. Possible. Dude, I've been like harassing this dude, Randy Greenstein, because I want him to speak at the event. What they built is crazy. It's insane. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. It got so big. Yeah. Like I see the billboards all the time. The commercials. Yeah. Oh, they have commercials now too? Uh, yeah. Yeah. They, they Are used... you ready for a big night? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, they've done an incredible job. Um, I mean, I started when they were at the estate and Gem, um, which are no longer around. But uh, that was the Emerson Bar. Like, didn't they have like a little? Yeah, right. It, by, the two Kane brothers have a, had some little dive bar, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, it was more like a, a nightclub, but it really attracted kind of a different persona than it does today. So they've done a really great job, um, and they've been growing like crazy. So. Have you recently been to any of the venues, like any of the new ones, like Memoir or? So I haven't been to Memoir, but I have been to the Grand and some of the. Grand's yep. fat. <laughs> it's dope. <laughs> it really, I haven't been yet. It really is. So what what bar were you at when you were bartending? I did every. I did a lot of their private events, but I did Empire, the State, Gem. Um, so I was like at all of their locations. And then Brian, when do you come to Boston? So I moved up here July 14th of this year. Um, I was living in D.C. for the last seven or eight years, uh, working down there. And then, you know, when Michelle and I had come up with this idea, we were doing this part time for, you know, we were pen to paper at the end of 2017. We launched in the App Store May of 2018. And, you know, we had one foot in the door for, you know, a, a full year. And it got to a point where, you know, we were doing it when we were waking up doing it at work, doing it before we were going to bed. Obsessed. Obsessed and just overwhelmed with stuff to do. And it just got to the point where we were like, hey, let's let's do this or get off the pot. Now, that's not the exact saying, but you know what I mean? Uh, you know, it's, are we going to keep doing this half-assed or are we going to jump in and do this full-time? And, you know, we kind of use the term burn the ships, uh, which is a really interesting story if, if you don't know that what that saying means. and It, it means like... The captain goes down with the ship, or my brain dead. <laughs> it means of, like kind of, go full speed at yeah, it, like so, don't look back. So really, back in the day, there was um, you know um, Spanish explorers, and I, I can't think of the guy's name right now, but they essentially came from Spain to um, you know South America, and when they landed, when they touched, they actually said, "All right, everything off the ships." Then we're burning them. Don't look back. Don't look back because if we have a way back, we're gonna we're gonna want to go back. You know, we're here, we're committing to it. We're going to keep pushing forward no matter what. Um, so I sold part of my company down in D.C., quit my full-time job to move up here, and, uh, and I haven't looked back. So when did you guys first have the inception of the idea? Well, when, was, when did you first think it up, and then how long did it take to actually start the company? So it was the end of 2017 where Brian and I had um, – you know, kind of talked about the idea. And the idea was really because I had um, customers that were coming to the bar asking me to bartend their corporate events. And so I started sharing with Brian what I was doing. And at the time, my brother was, you know, uh, working for Rover. And since the demand of the request kept going up, and I started using people that were in my network of bartenders. 
and an Excel spreadsheet that really wasn't going to be working for the future, <laughs> um, I started to talk to Brian. We both were in the entrepreneurship program at Syracuse. And so I was like, Brian, like, I have this crazy idea. And he knew I always had crazy ideas and he would always shut them down. But I was like, I have this crazy idea. Why don't we do what Rover did for dog walkers for bartenders and corporate customers? And so that's kind of when um, we had the first initial conversation. And it was about June of 2017. And by the end, December of 2017, we really kind of launched the idea, incorporated, or actually um, became an LLC. We started as an LLC as well. And um, what's the benefit to an incorporate over an LLC? I have no idea how that tax stuff works. We had an accountant up here. I was like, dude, this is way over my head. <laughs> so I wish I would have learned a little bit earlier on. Um, it's one of the things that, you know, hey, knowing what I know now, if I went back, if you're lo- looking to – now, there's there's different benefits, right? And there's reasons why people are LLCs versus um, corporations. But um, if you want to raise capital – it's easier to be a corporation early on just because a lot of investors, angel investors, and then, you know, um, what will be, you know, maybe um, VCs, they really like corporations for multiple reasons. They don't want a bunch of K-1s and there's there's a ton of reasons why. And so we- So you're attracting bigger money if you're incorporated for the most part. Um, Yeah, uh, it's it's just, it's much easier for everyone involved. And so, um, yeah, less, we- Less just, liability? Am I right there? Um, Big no, fresh it's, it's, like, it's really tax purposes. <laughs> yeah, it's an easier process. Yeah. And so, uh, honestly, and, you know, we early on were like, okay, we're kind of small now. We can tr- change because we know we're going to raise money just based on where we want to go and how quickly we want to get there. And so, um, that's why we became a corporation. So, you guys had other entrepreneurial pursuits before starting this? Brian, you had a company in Maryland. To be honest, I did a little LinkedIn stock, and you were doing like yeah. lacrosse or something down there. Yeah. Did you play lacrosse at Syracuse? I did. Damn, he must have been the man on campus, bro. No, he, was, <laughs> he was left bench. Was not the man. Oh, it's, uh-huh. it's all good. I told all the girls at PC I was on the hockey team, so we're cool, bro. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, no, I was down in DC for so my bro, my older brother and I, we both played lacrosse growing up, and. I went to uh, Syracuse, he went to Maryland, uh, and then he ended up staying down there, and after I graduated, I went down to work with him. I actually started my career in uh, structured settlement sales, so have you heard, ever heard of J.G. Wentworth? Like those Sounds riveting. Eight, seven, <laughs> seven cash now commercials. I was doing smile and dialing for this company called Stone Street Capital. Um, making like 150, 175 calls a day. It was, it was tough. But you were hustling. Hustling, trying to. And then uh, my brother and I, we started a uh, lacrosse club called Performance Sports Systems. We had an indoor training facility. We had a CrossFit gym out of there. We ran men's leagues, youth leagues, summer leagues, winter leagues. We had uh, 13 travel lacrosse teams. That's like the hotbed for lacrosse too, right, down there? Yeah, it's getting bigger. So the D.C. area wasn't really as big as it is now. It was more like the Baltimore area. Okay. Um, But the D.C. area is starting to really take off and and get a good little – talent pool down there and i mean lacrosse in general is just starting to take off but if, if it was lucrative would you have played pro and uh, could you have so I, I did play pro i played oh, for uh five years uh both in the nll and the mll um i tore my acl at the Ugh. end of my career and it was just uh not coming back from it it wasn't enough money and I, it sacrificed my full-time job because i worked on my feet 
for a long time and I wasn't getting compensated for it. So, uh, so what was your day to day like when, if you're playing pro lax and then you're also, you have a full time 40 hour a week job. Yeah. So it was Monday through Friday, you know, going through, going to work and then on my lunch breaks or after was getting training in and then you know if you played saturday they flew you out friday right after work you practice friday night practice saturday morning play saturday fly home sunday and then back to work on monday and you get paid as a prolax player yeah yeah so, so you get paid per game if you play cool um it wasn't you know some of those guys make pretty good money but paul rabel i know he's the man right <laughs> yeah he's i tell you what he's a let's talk about an entrepreneur he's a smart guy very he, smart guy. I know he closed a bunch of sponsors, Warrior and stuff like that. It's big around here. Does he play for the Cannons? I'll be honest. I'm kind of tapped out of the whole thing. So it's actually really interesting. Uh, he started a whole new league called the PLL, and it's exploding. Um, he's got investors like Joe Sai from Alibaba. Um, Google has invested. Red Bull has invested. Um, I think it's BlackRock Capital, um, I believe. They have a ton of very... They have a great sports staff, and him and his brother started it, and it's, uh, in my opinion, it'll take over the MLL very shortly. There's a Is there a team in Portland? Because, mind you, I grew up with a lot of kids. I, I went to Lincoln Sudbury Regional High School, and it's, like, huge lacrosse. I, like, always win the state championship and stuff, and so a lot of these kids end up playing at, like, Notre Dame and mm-hmm. Johns Hopkins and stuff like that. Is was Portland a team? Portland. Is there a professional team in Portland for the There PLL? used to be in the NLL, the Indoor Lacrosse League. Uh, it was the Portland Lumberjacks, and then they moved to Vancouver. Word, okay. So, But there was never a pro MLL team or PLL team out there. When do you feel most washed up? Uh, <laughs> when I was at Everybody Fights this morning, and I couldn't do 10 push-ups. Oh, were you guys in the seaport? <laughs> yeah. That gym is so nice. Yeah. It's, it's really it's is. It's bumping. I can it's, tell you it's that. In and out. <laughs> well, everyone's New Year's resolution is kicking oh. in, so it was pretty. Yeah. I'm sure. And the aesthetic is like so nice in that place with like the the top light like hitting the boxing ring. Yeah. yeah. They know they've done a they've done a, an incredible job. Um, How important has fitness been to you guys in being productive entrepreneurially? Is it like is it just like part of your routine at this point? Yeah, I would say it's part of our routine, but I also would say it's kind of part of the chemistry of of Brian and I. You know, we're we were both athletes, right? And um, oh, you played at Syracuse too. I didn't. No, I just played club um, soccer, but I was a huge club fanatic. And um, Brian and I just the way that we um, we work alongside each other, um, our work ethic, and how we rebound from losses, and how we kind of learn from every experience. I think is a little bit has to do with kind of our um, our athletic mindset and being part of a team and le- learning to to work with a team and then being an individual contributor on and off the field, right? You know, um, where sometimes I think that those things, um, it, it's hard to learn those things um, later on in life. And I think we just learned those at such a young age that those those same mechanisms of um, work ethic, collaboration. And also uh, just being competitive because, I mean, you guys are competitive on a day-to-day basis now, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think it lends, uh, honestly, it's been um, kind of a, a great um, kind of segue for us and what we're looking to accomplish. And then, you know, just complements our strengths and weaknesses uh, kind of together as, as co-founders. Um, Do you guys get antsy if you don't work out? 
I do. I totally do. It's like terrible. I sometimes do. I've been a little lazy lately, but my New Year's resolution is kicking in. What's the resolution? uh, Four times a week. Just got to get in there. A lift or just a workout? Workout, anything. Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is you can, with with any business, right, when you're so immersed in it like we are, it is so easy to get stuck. Not stuck, but just work. And all of a sudden, like, we get to the office like 7.38 in the morning and we look up and it's like 1.30. You're like, what the? where does where's the time going Mm -hmm. and then you put your head down and then the events start rolling up because they start at like four or five o'clock and you're monitoring deliveries like just double checking with bartenders making sure they're on their way you know um just being ready for anything and then all of a sudden you blink again it's 8 p.m you're like oh my god like i'm exhausted i gotta go home you miss your workout for the day it's it's a good way sound like excuses brian (laughs) (laughs) I, i wish it was uh it's it's tough and then you you just got to find time to do it um you know in the morning or at night and it it does become mental at some point but it's nice to get out and get away from the computer screen and throw some things around and and have some fun yeah what is your screen time looking like mine do well don't even say oh mine is (laughs) terrible mine's not as bad as brian's probably just because i'm out meeting with people like i'm such a people person and i like to be in front of people um, my favorite saying is your network is your net worth. So I try and meet, meet anyone, everyone mm-hmm. that I can, any connection, no, no connection for me is a bad connection. Um, and so I'm out really, you know, in the field, selling hosts, being the face of host, um, meeting with, you know, potential investors to meeting with potential customers and, um, really You're representing building the biz. Yeah. Yeah. So I have probably a little bit less time than, than Brian does because Brian's really managing everything else from the, the day-to-day to make so sure. So what's it looking like, Brian, on your phone? Do you know? <laughs> my phone's not bad. It's my computer that's tough. Dude, my phone this summer was 10 hours and 30 minutes at a one day. point. And I was like, what am I doing with myself? Because <laughs> we push out a ton of content. So it's yeah. like you're constantly on like social platforms pushing out content. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Do you guys have a, a content strategy for this year? I saw you had a nice lengthy LinkedIn post. It oh, was like yeah. the LinkedIn essay. I liked it. Yeah, that yeah, I hadn't posted a LinkedIn um kind of, you know, post in a in a really long time. So um yeah, I was I was kind of really reflecting on the past year because it really has been extremely transformative. I mean, a lot has happened for um for us and host and personally and professionally and um you know, I felt like, hey, kind of my network of people really need to know, you know, where I am mentally and, and what I'm appreciative for. And there were a lot of people I wanted to tag in that, but it only gives you so many mm-hmm. characters because, I mean, really, so, there are some very instrumental people and in, that have helped us along the way and have continued to help us and are really the, the most exciting part of the journey, in my opinion. So let's just segue real quick back to exactly what host is and what you guys do. Can you just give a sure. someone elaborate on it? I know, but yeah. people listening and watching don't just yet. Yeah, so host is a digital platform where we connect corporate customers to certified insured bartenders. And so typically corporate companies um, have to, you know, uh, figure out insurance processes and then they also have to identify talent of bartenders. And obviously for an office manager or facilities manager or marketing manager, that's not really their their job and their job uh, duties. And so they're always looking for a great source to help fill this void. 
So now more and more corporate companies are holding, you know, uh, happy hours on a Friday or wind down Wednesday on a Wednesday. Corporate people love getting smacked. Yeah. They do. Yeah. It builds, builds culture. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, people all- are requiring it as part of a way to, to take a job. I mean, if you look at millennials, 61% of millennials will say they will take a job based on perks. So perks, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you don't have uh, beer on tap anymore, it's like, you're not cool. <laughs> well, where I learned it most was actually pitching this event. So mind you, I've I've thrown a bunch of events in the city. I threw a big concert once where I hand sold like hundreds and hundreds of tickets. This has been the easiest pitch because of the demographic because people who work in professional settings love getting smacked more than anybody else <laughs> I know. Yeah. So was there a moment when you were bartending where it was like, whoa, like I could totally, there's an opening in the market here to, to make this happen. Yeah, I mean, I think it was really based on the requests that I was getting. And that was, um, well, there's no, when I started to interview the office managers that were requesting of like my services, I was like, well, what do you guys currently do? What does the process look like? Why is it so cumbersome? And, you know, based on that detail and, you know, just doing some market research, that's when the opportunity really started to um, kind of come to fruition we were like wow like there is no easy way you know companies like thumbtack are really great but they don't provide insurance and they don't vet and select anyone on the that's the competition is thumbtack yeah so they're they're we hate those guys right (laughs) (laughs) no competition's good Um, competition's great it keeps you um it keeps you honest it keeps you um always innovative it also um, you know, it shows that there's a demand for something, right? So um, we, we like competition. We're, you know, former athletes, we, we love to compete. How would we know if we're doing something well if there's no competition? Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, I think that those things are uh, what set us apart a little bit is that we vet and select every single bartender to the platform. I was going to say, how do you choose your bartenders? Yeah, so we do a couple of things. Can I can I just simplify something real quick? So what you guys do is you have an app, correct? And then a corporate, let's say PwC is like, hey, we're throwing a little mixer after work. We need to have a bartender here to service our booze. So they go on host and they click it. And they say, hey, host, dude, we have a mixer after this with like 50 accountants. Can you guys come and serve? And then you guys would say 100% use the app. That's how it works, right? Exactly. Got it. Big fresh, that makes sense? Keep yeah. it simple. Big Fresh, your company could use something like this, right? Um, that's the thing is our, I work for like a health uh, care like communications company and I don't know what happened, but like a couple of years ago, they must have had a bad experience because they're very like uneasy about like alcohol at like company events. So yeah, maybe uh, it might not be happened? right for our I have no Nancy clue. Nancy got too smacked. Maybe, <laughs> dude. <laughs> I don't know. That was before my time there, so I have no clue. Yeah, so, you, so you couldn't get drunk at the Christmas party? I mean, I could, but like... Well, you came here loose. Yeah, so they give you like drink tickets, and it's like, you know, like like oh, max yeah, two per, per... Yeah, like yeah. but like Boring. I finessed a couple extra tickets, so it's fine. <laughs> okay, so sorry to cut you off, but continue. Yeah. I forget where we were at. You're- so I think the, the big thing that um, a lot of the, you know, a lot of our current clients, you know, we're just... The goal for host was to make it easier for both parties, right? So we are a dual-sided marketplace where, you know, we kind of get lost really talking about the event hosts and, you know, kind of the the solutions that we've come up with to make their lives easier with just, you know, knowing that they can come to this platform and 
find a quality, personable, energetic bartender to come to their event. But we also provide all the general liquor liability insurance for that event, right? And, you know, that's a process, as Michelle mentioned earlier, in itself that is cumbersome. It takes a lot of time. And if you don't do it, you know, two, three weeks before your event, you might not get that policy. And it's an extra, you know, $325, $350 just for one day. Um, you know, we provide it for all of our events. So that's a, that's a big component as well. Um, but the other side of it is, you know, as we were start, starting a segment into is the bartenders. Yeah. So how do you choose good bartenders? Yeah. So, I mean, we actually have a rock star named Amy who has, was actually our third bartender that we onboarded through host here in Boston. She is an absolute champion for us. Um, shout out to Amy. Shout out to Amy. Yeah, we, huge shout out to we, Amy. We brought her on um, in September. Uh, you know, Michelle and I went full time in July. We brought Amy on in September, um, and she has been in charge of the bartender onboarding because she's really, you know, in the beginning Michelle was doing a lot of the events, um, but Amy was doing most of the events, so she really knows like that details the ins and outs of getting there, parking, what it feels like when things are late on time, early, you know, this is going one way, this is going the other. So she's been through all of those scenarios and she can really understand from that perspective what to look for in an oncoming bartender. So what we do is, you know, when a bartender wants to join host, we don't just grant them access to the platform right away. You know, they have to, um, you know, it, they have to upload a government ID. They have to pass a background check, which is done by a third party. They do upload a work history or a resume. And then we, you know, we do an interview. Um, we have to make sure they're alcohol training certified. So they have to upload their state-specific alcohol training certification. Is this tough, though? Because you guys want to scale the company and the more bartenders, the better. Like, is it tough turning people down who want to work for you? No, I mean, to be honest, you're cold. No, <laughs> we're just, we're really looking um, for the best talent. We think the best talent should be rewarded. Um, you know, there are a lot of bartenders that are super type A, right? They're working typically at their bar. The best are working Thursday through Sunday, right? We're corporate. We get events Monday through Thursday, mm -hmm. right? So why not as a great bartender, when you have so much to offer, you have a great personality, you love connecting with people, you're money hungry, make an extra, you know, side, uh, have this be your side hustle. Oh, so a lot of them use it as a second job. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they're, um, 1099 with us and they're W2s with their, um, with their restaurant or, uh, you know, venue that they work at. And so it's really great cause we partner with the bars, you know, um, because their best talent wants to work usually like Monday through Thursday, pick up some extra shifts, make a couple hundred extra dollars. Plus we're guaranteed earnings. So bartenders typically make, you know, two fifty to $3 an hour wherever they're working. And the rest is really tips. So it's really dependent on who walks into the restaurant or venue is really predicting how much money they're going to make. How many bartenders do you have on now? Uh, right now, approved bartenders here in Boston. We're at about uh, 205. Yeah. Whoa. Here in Boston. Good yeah. for you guys. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So you have turned down a, a plethora of people? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, What's like the worst resume you've seen? <laughs> really based on just the resume yeah. to be honest i mean we're really looking for i mean not just ability to do the job we're really looking for someone that adds to the experience someone that's truly excited personable um and that will just elevate the occasion right i might be brain dead but 
That just seems like there are not many bartenders in my experience that have been exactly the way you're describing. Hmm. Or how do you like pick talent so, like that? Sounds like you're going to the wrong bars. Well, I don't really drink, <laughs> so maybe that's it. No, I mean, I think there's a little bit of a balance of, of, of everything. I mean, if you've met Amy, she is just the, the light of every room. I mean, she, you know, when she's present, um, there's not a single person I know that doesn't enjoy her kind of her company. I mean, she's she really just knows how to identify really great talent and then people that have great potential too. Um, and so we've been fortunate to have hired such a you know an integral part to our team that really just knows um, what we're looking for. And um, you know our customers are looking for a certain type of professionalism too. I mean, they're coming into their office, right? Um, this has to be someone that really fits in with their mm-hmm. culture. We get a lot of requests. I mean, we do Dropbox every Friday. And they really think of our bartender, Ian, as part of their team. Like Dropbox, he, the company? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They have an office in Boston? It's in, in New York, York City. York. Yeah. Oh, oh, so you guys are in other cities now too? Yeah, so we do... Let's s- go. You guys are growing <laughs> this. Let's do it. This is awesome. Getting there. Yeah, getting yeah. There. Slowly but surely, we're, we're, we're getting there and um, we're certainly growing, which is exciting. Quick segue, though. I mean, you guys are up here talking very composed. I think we all know that the sport of entrepreneurship is not always clean. Like, what has been some of like, the most desperate moments you guys have had recently? Because that shit happens on a day-to-day. Like, yeah. like, for instance, mind you, we're running a show in the back of a warehouse right now, right? But I came in here and it was like just chaos. I get it. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to make sure everything's right for the episode. Yeah. Like, have you guys had any, like, big slip-ups recently? Or I got one. Yeah. We had, uh, so this past December is one of our biggest, our best month to date. Um, you know, the combination of us going full-time and, you know, throwing out some marketing dollars and, and it being the holidays, it was a crazy month for us. And, you know, I think it was December 12th. We had, it was December 12th. We had about 25, 30 events going that day between two cities. Um, we had, I think it was 45 bartenders in the field. And luckily, but unluckily, three of the events that we had here in Boston were pretty close to each other. And three events uh, were late on ice. The ice was either missing, there wasn't enough, or it was late. And I literally ran from our WeWork at Four Point, sprinted to the events, to the local CVS. Luckily, it was the Boston events. Yeah, luckily. Walked, uh, you know, 10 five-pound bags of ice to one event, went back to the store. With those lacrosse pipes, let's go. Walked to another (laughs) event, and then finally... Luckily, Michelle was able to come pick me up, and we picked up another load of ice to the to the next event. It all went fine, but Wait, oh. you know, those are the things that kind of go on behind the scene when you think of, you know, we would bend over backwards for our customers to make sure that they are having the best experience possible. And when I say our customers, I mean not just our event hosts and their patrons, but our bartenders as well, because. If you're behind the bar with no ice, you're basically bartending with your pants down. That's <laughs> like you know, Actually. and we don't want to put them in that situation. So. I have no problem doing that for them and running where now do I want to do that? No, no, but I absolutely have no problem doing it for them, for this company and for them uh, whatsoever. Were you like totally panicked when this was going on? She Uh, wasn't. I was freaking out. See, my thing is like (laughs) a, a lot of people when they build companies, like 
you start to get to a point where you control everything and it's nice because it's reassuring because you know what to do with your job. But when you guys are having events in other cities, there's a little bit of risk there where you're like, dude, I, I can't oversee everything that's going on. Is that scary? Yes and no. Um, I think that when you're growing, you you're, you have to know that you know not everything is going to always be perfect. And we try so hard. I mean, we care about every detail to every single event. Um, like Brian said, like we care so much and, you know, at some point when you scale, you have to learn to, to let go a little bit, um, and let things happen organically. Who's your mentor? Like who's taught you a lot of this stuff? Um, I have a lot of mentors. Um, Brian will probably tell you that I have mentors for different aspects. Like I, I really do go to different people for different things. Like, um, you know, Craig Powell at Modus. I mean, he's the CEO of Modus. He took a really, you know, a vested interest in me and just teaching me small things, um, you know, always backing me as a champion. Um, and then I have other mentors, you know, that I utilize for the business specifically, like what is the strategy here? How do we take this data and apply that data to, to grow the business? And how do we make data-driven decisions? And then, you know, I have someone that's really from like a development standpoint, because like you just need different personalities and different um, people with different experience to give you insight at different components of the business but there was no like central figure that you're like hey i'm about to start this company like this is what we're going to use as a model um not you guys like studying how uber did it yeah imagine. i mean we looked at uber we looked at uh rover we looked at similar um concepts what is Definitely. rover's the dog walking app yeah yeah you have the app big fresh I actually, I just downloaded Host like two days ago. I got you guys. Let's yeah. go. Let's get yeah, you I don't have me. Rover, but I know some friends who make like money during the summer yeah. doing yeah, it's, that. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Quick segue. So Big Fresh is an app developer. Oh, oh nice. Yeah. Any, any app questions so, for the team? Um, it's not like a technical. Well, it is like a technical question. But um, so can you guys kind of just talk about Because you mentioned like you were monitoring like deliveries, like on day of events, things like that. So can you kind of go step by step like on both um, the bartender's end, the client's end, and also your end, like what kind of goes on when someone books an event to when that event is kind of done and that order is fulfilled? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, there's, just, there's two journeys, right? So when an event order comes in, it's either coming in through the host app itself or it's coming in through our website. Uh, when it comes in through the host app, it's at its most simple, um, where the event host will just log on to the app. They will post the event with the details, date, time, duration, location. Um, that event will then be posted to the open events tab for all the bartenders to see. They'll receive a notification, hey, a new event has been posted in your area. Feel free to apply. They can then go into the host app, look at the event, say, okay, this fits my schedule. I know how much I'm making. I know what's being served. I know how long it is. Any special requests? Okay, got it. I can work this event. I'm interested. Now, Boom, from, done. From, from there, it'll show them that, you know, Amy, bartender Amy is interested in working your event. And uh, the event host can then come back and look through bio, ratings, reviews, pictures from all the bartenders that have applied and then pick as many as, you know, they've requested, whether it's one, two, or three. And then from there, the event gets moved into our upcoming events or staffed events tab, which then the bartenders can look at and make sure that they have adjusted with their calendar. 
they could chat with the event host currently um, in there with any questions, specific questions. And then once the event is completed, it gets moved to their history where they could rate each other back and forth. Um, Who developed the app? Yeah, so we just used a, a third party to help us um, build it out in the beginning. In India, China, uh, Ukraine. You, actually. Whoa. Yeah, and we learned a lot, <laughs> a lot. Um, for it was it was my first sprint. Do you know what software you were using? Uh, we were using a couple different ones. What do you use, Big Fresh? Um, for iOS, it's like Swift. Yeah, yeah. we were using yeah. yeah Swift and Hockey App. So do you guys have like a dashboard on the back end to kind of track everything? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So we have a, a super admin panel. Well, it's not very super, but it's basic right now that just pulls all the data that we collect in a fashion that we want to see it to keep, to keep track of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, our initial build up, this is actually one of our big 2020 resolutions or projects is we're building out a brand new full functioning web application, which will have, um, responsive iOS and Android applications as well. So when we first built the app, you know, we thought just like Uber, everyone's going to use the app to do everything. But we've learned that the event hosts, 95% of our event hosts come in or our events come in through our website. And why is that? It's like interesting. Well, when we first started the company, I don't think we knew our demographic was going to be corporate right off the bat. We were just thinking events, 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 and then let's just close some events. Yeah. It makes sense when you're looking for a bartender and you don't really know of a company, you Google it, right? So a lot of our research results were browser oriented, not app oriented. So yeah, 60, 70% of our Users were coming in through the phone, just not through the app. Just so you're going to have to get version. host to like a, a brand identity standpoint where everyone knows it like Uber for everybody to use the app consistently. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like office managers is our persona, our person that we're really selling to. Um, now every company is so different, but office managers, where are they? They're sitting in front of their desktop every single day, right? They're not sitting on their phone really. So for them, it's easier. Okay. This is another thing that I have to do. I'm already on my computer. Just let me just open up the website. So real quick, you are totally cool to put on your jacket if you want. Cause I know it's freezing in here. Oh, I feel no, bad. So. <laughs> are you, are you okay? Big fresh. I was yeah, just in I'm Ecuador yeah. and it was really warm. I was going to say you're mad tan. Yeah, no, I just, uh, I went to go see my family. So I try and go see them once a year. They're Spanish. Um, yeah, we're Bolivian. Yeah. Hablas? Yeah. Yo, yo hablo un poquito. Yo, yo uh, estaba en la tienda de pelo corto en el pueblo de Waltham. Okay. Y mi barbero es dominicano. So todos los tiempos fui a la tienda, yo aprendí una nueva palabra. Hablas muy bien por aprender por tu barbero. Y, y, <laughs> sí, y estudia en la tienda. You, you fall on? Big Fresh. Did you get that? <laughs> I got some of it. I got some of well, it. Well, we okay. met at the yeah. barbershop. That's where we met. Hablo. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I'll do now is I'll just like anyone who I hear speaking Spanish, I'll just go up to them and like try to learn a new word. Yeah. Pick that's something the best, up. Honestly, that's the best way to learn. So you came here from Bolivia? Yeah. So I was born in Bolivia. Whoa. And then I grew up overseas my whole life. My parents, every three years, my parents would like station somewhere else. So. Um, oh, they military? 
No, my mom is the um, the director of the Peace Corps, and my dad's an HIV AIDS specialist. So whoa, we just yeah really didn't have a purpose as much in the states as we did in third world countries. So so what does the director of the Peace Corps do? Like just make sure everyone's like nice to each other. <laughs> no, so she um she's now leaving um, um Panama and she's going to Botswana and. Essentially, she just really brings together all of the volunteers and makes sure that their project that they're working on. Um, she's an organizer. Yeah, yeah. She, she's, um, yeah, she's very passionate about it, and she does a really good job and makes sure that the projects are going off without a hitch and that um, the communities that they're servicing are seeing the impact that they're supposed to be seeing. And she will go to the sites. She was a volunteer 35 years ago. So, Whoa. Yeah. yeah. What, what do your parents do, Brian? Um, so my father owns a small wholesale food distributor company out of New Jersey. That's where I grew up. And my mom is a business analyst for ConocoPhillips. So you guys, so you knew growing up you were probably going to get into business. Yeah. Um, Did you know you like had no interest in doing what your parents were doing? I enjoyed different parts of what they do. Um, my mom, my mother works for a kind of co-focus is a very big company. I don't, um, what do they do? So they're like, they're a refinery. She works at the refinery in Linden and she's the business analyst. She's the one that's doing like all of the, you know, budgeting and, you know, new reports and every like 10 years they have to do this big turnover at each refinery. And she's kind of in charge of that. And, you know, I saw what she enjoys in that and what she doesn't, um, working for a bigger company like that. Um, and then I saw with my father's company where I would work every summer, um, since I was in sixth grade and, uh, all the way until after college where it was just very, very, very small. The relationship, it was very relationship based. Um, so what distributing to grocery stores or so mainly like restaurants, bars, um, little leagues, high schools for football games and stuff like that. So like, like vegetables, fruits, uh, yeah, vegetables, fruits, mainly like Fried foods, turkeys, hams, eggs, bacon. Wow. Condiments stuff. But like all like stuff that you'd go to BJ's and get, right? Like the bulk stuff. Is that where you get your obsession with bacon? Bacon. <laughs> bacon, Taylor ham. Yes. Whoa. Yes. Um, I'm obsessed with bacon. Bacon. I love bacon. He's Are you keto? Uh, I used to be. Dude, how'd you do it? It was impossible. I, I was eating like. Like butter I, I smoothies. It was I, nasty. I did it for a year and I lost like 25 pounds. Oh, did you? Yeah. So and you then, were in and, ketosis and then, and then for real. I stopped and put on 30 in four months. So <laughs> things are good. Uh, uh, the pendulum. <laughs> yeah. Big Fresh, how's your uh, your vegan ventures? Um, Short-lived? No, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I've reached the conclusion that I'm not like a strict vegetarian, but I think like maybe like once or twice a week, like getting meat in your system is like, you know, pretty good, I think. But we have no clue. Like, yeah, yeah. But I mean, see, at the moment, it like, feels good. So no, I haven't. But I heard the Joe Rogan podcast on it. Oh, did you see the debate? I heard the debate, or I've heard about. It's like it. you're stupid, man. You're stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, potentially debunking the whole documentary. Right? There was a debate. They had a podcast. Um, it's just interesting, but. I I sometimes question like 
how can we really analyze diet and its effect on someone's health if we've only been doing studies, effective studies for like 50 years? It hasn't even lasted a whole lifetime. So we won't really know until we're old what's actually an effective diet. Yeah. The, the way I think the one analogy that most resonated with me was have you, have you, um, have you guys watched, I think it's the magic pill on Netflix. Mm-hmm. So it's all about the ketosis diet and it's fantastic. They used an analogy that stuck that like makes so much sense to me. I mean, we've been on this planet as humans for however long, hundreds of thousands of years. Our bodies have evolutionized over time where the way we're eating now is only a sliver of a fraction of how we've been eating for the last however long we've been on this planet. So our bodies evolution in certain ways. They said that our cells, the outside, have a membrane. You think about it as a screen door, right? The outside membrane of the cell that protects it is a screen door, what lets it in what let stuff out well if you throw water at a screen door it grows goes right through it right we've been drinking water and you know natural foods for however long then if you think of like processed foods or like um just shit that's not natural and think of that as like laundry detergent and then throw that at the screen door half of it gets stuck right it doesn't go through so our cells are not getting the appropriate nutrition that they need fully because it's not able to process and let that type mm-hmm. of stuff in and that's why like our cells are dying off how, how does that correlate to the ketosis diet though so the ketosis diet is all about eating like natural Fats. stuff that we've been eating forever yeah but that's also paleo but i thought keto was like very high fat right very high fat yeah so like when you think of like um but isn't you know, it only certain hours that's no fasting. that's intermittent fasting oh. that's what yeah. i do. The other one do you don't need to what like one i I'm an extreme case. I'm a little anal about my diet. So, Are you? Uh, yeah, I, I do like a 21 hour fast daily. What? I do, yeah. I eat in like a three hour window. Really? Dude, we got to be productive, right? That's right. <laughs> but when? So, last night I ate from about 4 30 to 7 o'clock. And that's it? That's it. Just eat whatever you want. And every day? No, we eat healthy, man. <laughs> Say it again. Is it different every day? I try to do at least 19 hours daily. Like, at least. If I can push it to 22, I'm feeling it. And then if you go 24, you're like, whoa, I'm totally delusional. I'm starving. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's just, I've adapted, but I've been fasting for like three years. So like you, you work up to a certain point where your body adapts to it. Yeah. You guys should try fasting. I, I think love food way too much. I, I, yeah. You'll be mad productive though when you're in your fasting window. Really? Mm-hmm. I feel like I need few, like food to fuel my brain i think it's different for everybody yeah. don't you big fresh it's just yeah because like especially like with like certain things like carbs like after i eat it i just feel like brain dead yeah. but well, then what like, type of carbs like refined sugars like honestly even like breads and like pastas like that shit like, will fuck your whole oh, yeah. day up. yeah yeah <laughs> but then now like just strictly eating like uh, vegetables and like maybe like some light like like quinoa or like whatever like i feel just so much more like awake throughout the whole day yeah, yeah. whereas like not I, like before i was kind of crashing towards the end of the day you know you're not getting that, that like that gluten right gluten like makes you crash i, is that, I don't know. i think that's what glucose is it i don't i got no idea yeah <laughs> something with the carbs yeah no what's a hitting right next to that we work though is that be good you guys going to be good ever yeah well i like be good yeah. Yeah. it's dope isn't it's it good. it's so good no, what's we, popping up there a lot too is these cafe neros i keep seeing into the yeah. seaport they're all over the place they're now. everywhere yeah. but there's now there's um um what's the one way not kava but the other one oh dig dig 
Oh, dig. that protein I bowl dig. from Dig, right? Dig I dig. It's fantastic. It is fire. Yeah. It's right next to the hotel right there, right? Across from Trader Joe's. Yes. Yeah. I'm yep. in that neighborhood, man. I got business over there. I know where you guys are at. You got business. Yeah. It's actually a, a good segue because we kind of got to wrap soon. Um, can you kind of talk about the benefit to, to starting a company in Boston and the startup ecosystem here? Oh, Michelle was waiting for that question. <laughs> I got you, Michelle. Yeah, no. I just, I. I um, I didn't really know what to expect about the ecosystem itself. You know, you think of Silicon Valley and you're like, wow, that's really the startup mecca. That's the startup scene. And I've, you know, now being a part of the ecosystem in Boston, I think it's one of the best places to start a business for multiple reasons. Especially I having mean, corporate clients. Exactly. Not only that, but from you know, our bank to our lawyers to, you know, other founders, they are all people that are working for us and with us on a daily basis. Like our bank put together, um, you know, a a dinner for founders and marketplaces. I can't tell you how many connections I made through that, uh, how valuable it was. And, you know, just the thought of doing that, you know, and then our lawyer is constantly connecting us with customers and, um, you know, just around the clock there for us, helping us close this round, uh, introducing us to potential investors and just the investors and angel investors and VCs that are here in Boston are always willing to take a meeting and or give you feedback and if they're not interested in investing in your type of business they will yeah yeah. they'll connect you with someone else and i mean other founders just taking the time to give me you know 20 minutes of their time and you know um help me with something that we're challenged with it's just i have never had anyone say no like every single person that i've emailed to ask for 20 minutes or to join our board has always said yes even if it was like hey i can't within the month because i'm like slammed every single person has been responsive and i think that for us as you know first time true founders in an ecosystem starting a, a platform that we can't develop um you know from like a technical standpoint we needed all of those resources to help ha- build our confidence in being able to move the ship forward and um, you think it gives you a backbone absolutely Really? 100%. Yeah. See, I would imagine it being competitive, though. Like, yeah. mind you, I'm not really in the startup ecosystem, right? Yeah. I'm kind of like, what we got going on over here is like, we're kind of like people of the people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kind of tucked away from the whole startup scene, but I imagine that we work. They're just like throwing fists over there. You'd think, and it's 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 really not. It's I mean, WeWork has been a fantastic catalyst for growth for us. I mean. Whether it's, you know, their whole thing is to, you know, build community with, within their space. And that's our vision, right, is to build community through every experience that we service. And it aligns so well because they want to keep bringing people together. When they bring people together, that's when, Good new, ide- that's when new ideas were formed. That's when bonds are made. That's when... You know, when you're thinking about renewing your lease, you're like, oh, but I made so many good friends here. And like the companies here, like we're all working together. Like, let's do another year here and then we'll look at a new space rather than like, I have no allegiance here. Like, let's go somewhere else. You know, oh, 10 bucks cheaper down the street. Like, let's go. Um, That's the biggest. That's like one of the biggest differences. Um, But to kind of circle back on what you said about, you know, don't isn't it competitive? It, it, It. it is competitive, but it's also super supportive. And I think 
that is one of the beauties about Boston is I, I used to live in DC and DC is everyone's a transplant. You never meet anybody that's from DC. Um, they're always from Maryland, Virginia, or here trying mm-hmm. to be in politics, whatever the case is. And the question that you always get when you meet someone else is what do you do every time? Hey, I'm, yeah, I'm Brian. It's all good. Don't worry about it. The drums. We're good to go. <laughs> you know, hey, I'm Brian. What's your name? Blah, blah, blah. And the first thing they always ask is, what do you do? This is in D.C. This is in D.C. What do you do? And it's never like, where are you from? Like, do you live local? Have you been here before? It's always, what do you do? And as soon as you say something that's not relevant to them, they're gone. Brian, I got to be honest with you. You might be one of the first people to ever say that people in Boston are somewhat friendly. Right? That's what everyone, that, that's what everyone tells me. And I honestly... I've you think ne- people here are I've, nice? Have I've, you been to LA? I've never met a person here that hasn't given me like a few moments of their time. I think I think the world of Boston as a city... I'll, I'll knock on wood for you, man. I think, there, I think there is a lot of Boston pride and it's a lot of like local pride. But it's local in a sense that you're willing to help the people that are here. And it's the ecosystem. It's really the ecosystem because people in Boston, they really want it to be this Boston strong community. They want you to succeed. They want you to do well because it, it builds that morale. It builds confidence in other people starting um, businesses here. Well, yeah. And their property value goes up. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. So that's one thing that we started the show. We had a lot of artists and entertainers on the show and there's no real market for is that me who is it Uh, it's just a number oh shoot they're probably here we got we gotta wrap this real soon but there's a there's a community here of like big finance heads and like a lot like it's a great place for business is there a is there going to be a an oversaturation at some point in the startup market, do you think? Or like Seaport's like its whole new city. So like. Yeah, I don't think it'll ever really be oversaturated. I think that we're just in the beginning. Just starting. Yeah, like we're just in the beginning and, you know, other founders are putting, um, you know, their left foot forward and their right foot forward to help, you know, young founders learn what they didn't know and accelerate growth much quicker and, you know, be a champion for them, be a mentor, um, give them a little bit of guidance. And I think that that's just beginning. And, um, I mean, there's a great group of, um, you know, very successful founders that are looking to give back, um, to, to other founders. And I think that we will start to see more and more of that, um, as the ecosystem continues to evolve. What a way to end it. All right, well, listen, real quick. I just have to open the door for someone, so we're just going to have to end. But I had a great time. Thank yeah. you. No, thank you. Th- thank you. This is how we start and end the episode. You ready for this? You have to say, hi, your name. I'd collaborate on this. And this is my golden hour, or our golden hour. So I'd say, hi, I'm Michelle. Hi, I'm Brian. We're from Host. This is our golden hour. Then directly after, no break in between these two sentences, hi, I'm Brian. I'm Michelle. And this, that was our golden hour. So it's this is for the first one, then that was. And I'm not going to tell you again. Okay. Whenever you're ready. Do we say it at the same time or different times? Uh, hey, man, I can't tell you. I got no idea. All right, I'll go first. <laughs> Hi, this is Michelle Carrazas, and this is our golden hour. Hi, this is Michelle Carrazas, and that was our golden hour. Hi, this is Brian McGill, and this is my golden hour.
Hi, my name is Brian McGill, and that was my golden hour. So a little unconventional. Big Fresh, but we'll take it, right? Um, let's yeah. do another one where you guys kind of work <laughs> together, okay. collaborate, and then just be honest, mention host. Let's just well. nobody Hi, this ever is gets host to events, and this is our golden hour. Yeah, okay. yeah. exactly. <laughs> Hi, this is host events, and this is our golden hour. Nice. Hi, this is our host events, and that was our golden oh, hour. That's well executed, right? We'll take it. All right, cut that. I'm gonna open the door. I'll be right back. Okay. I said your name and host events at the same time. Hey, thank you so much, guys. Thank you.